Welcome to the Vegan Family Kitchen Podcast. My name is Brigitte Jem and I am your host around here, but we're not in the kitchen today, though we wish we could be. I am with Carla Salinari. She is a certified holistic health coach specializing in the plant-based lifestyle. She works with clients to meet their health goals through highly individualized approach, yielding transformative and long-lasting results. But she is also the author of this lovely book that I just put my hands on that is called Abuela's Plant-Based Kitchen, and it is all about Latin and Caribbean family recipes made plant-based and healthy for you. It is so lovely, and we're going to talk about that today. Her popular Instagram account, The Latina Health Coach, is inspiring others to reconnect with their favorite cultural dishes in a perhaps healthier way. And she was inspired following the enthusiastic response to make all that into a book. She has a certification in holistic nutrition from the Institute for in of Integrative Nutrition from New York City. And you can often see her as a guest on Telemundo, NBC, and elsewhere on TV. She was born in California, but raised halfway between Miami and Puerto Rico, depending on the time. She now lives in Brooklyn with her family. Welcome, Carla. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to connect with you and your community. Thank you for being there. So I'm very intrigued and interested to jump into talking about your culinary and cooking journey. And I have to say something that deeply intrigued me is that your father went vegan in 1975, which yes. surely would have made a big change in your culinary upbringing. So tell me your story. Yes. So I was raised in a, it started off as a very v strict vegan household. My dad, as you mentioned, has been vegan since the 70s in Puerto Rico, which veganism during that time was something that was completely unheard of and definitely not accepted. And I would even go as far as to say demonized. It wasn't anything that was promoted in a healthy way during that time. But my dad really believed in the philosophy and really, really stuck to his beliefs that implementing a plant-based lifestyle is really the way to achieve long-lasting health. And He stuck to it, and I'm so grateful that he did, because thanks to that, I was born into this holistic culinary world that is plant-based veganism. That yeah. is so fascinating. Mm -hmm. But in the, in the book and in the notes, you mentioned that you lived between Miami and Puerto Rico. Tell me a little bit more about yeah. all that. So... When I was young, when I was born into this lifestyle, shortly thereafter, unfortunately, my parents split and we moved to Miami and kind of implemented a more conventional way of living. My mom and my stepfather would just eat a very conventional way, you know, fast food on busy days after sports and school and weekends, you know, both of them worked full-time jobs and not that this is an excuse as we have now known, but it was just something that was quick and easy and it was there for them to do. So unfortunately, I fell off that plant-based holistic lifestyle when I was in Miami with that side of the family. But when I would go back to Puerto Rico, the summers and during the holidays, I would go back to the more holistic approach to the more vegan way of eating And then slowly, as I became older and more aware of the importance of nutrition 
and the importance of implementing healthier lifestyle changes, I myself decided to start eliminating meat again. I didn't really feel well. I always dealt with digestive issues. And then quickly after I would re-implement these changes, I would instantly start to feel better. So I knew early on that this was something that worked for me and could potentially work for those that were around me. So fast forward to me leaving my home base, which is Puerto Rico and Miami. I moved to New York City to go to university. And here is when I really started to implement these changes. And I really started to hone in on the importance of a, a more plant-based vegan lifestyle. I did, however, Brigitte, I really wanted to get into the nitty gritty of what it means to eat a more plant-based lifestyle. What is it that is going to do for your body and how to implement it in a way that is sustainable and in a way that feels like it's not daunting or overwhelming. As, as you know, you know, I always wanted to make sure that I connected back to my roots, even though I was eating in a more plant-based way. So I wanted to really understand what it entailed so that I can then adapt it to the foods that I enjoy, to the foods that I like. And that's how this whole project came about. This is how this movement came about. And this is how I slowly started to build this community of like-minded individuals, which mostly come from a Puerto Rican, Dominican, Cuban, or and other Latin American countries as well. I mean, it's funny that kind of disparity between what we think of as our culinary roots, let's put it that way, you know, the traditional dishes and things, and the actual practice that would have happened, you know, a hundred years or more ago of what was the actual traditional food of these different cultures. And I, I think it's probably true, and you'll tell me if I'm wrong, for the mm -hmm. kind of Latin American and Caribbean cooking that you've been doing, but also for other traditions, other perhaps than the uh, some European traditions. But basically, it was mostly plant-based to begin with. Is that yes. true also for Puerto Rican cooking? Absolutely. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because now a lot of people have this misconceived notion that Puerto Rican food is unhealthy. And it is unhealthy now, but it wasn't always this way. Access to animal protein was a luxury for a lot of people back in the day or not attainable for a lot of families, right? If you did have access to a piece of animal protein, it wasn't every day. It surely was not multiple times a day. It was very far and few in between. So people focused mostly on a plant-forward diet, on a diet that was made up of what they had around them, which was fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, legumes, etc. So the base of Puerto Rican cooking is plant-based. And 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 to give you an example, most of the foundation, most of the starter, I would say, in Puerto Rican food is what we call sofrito. And sofrito is a blend of onion, garlic, pepper, cilantro, olive oil. And that is the base for 99% of the dishes that we make, right? And that in itself is really flavorful and really aromatic. Then from that, then you start to build your dishes. But traditionally, 
it all starts with an assortment of colorful vegetables. It's all the add-ons that come in later on that kind of like start to not make it so plant-based. But yes, to answer your question, since the beginning of time, it has been a very plant-based way of eating for sure. You've started giving a little bit of details here about, you know, the sofrito being really one of the fundamentals. And that's also true for many other culinary traditions sure. with the slight, you know, slight variations. But the Italians and the French also have these those habits of starting like that. But what do you think makes Puerto Rican cuisine unique, different? What are the, you know, what's what's... What's the essence of it? <laughs> <laughs> so Puerto Rican cuisine has a lot of similarities with the cuisine of other Caribbean countries, for example, Cuban and Dominican. And what it is, is a lot of spices. So cumin, oregano, turmeric, black pepper, annatto to give it color, and then the sofrito. That is the essence of it. And it's very flavorful and it's very aromatic. That's why now promoting a more plant-based version of Puerto Rican food is easy because there's so much flavor and there's so much richness. And I think that is the most important selling point here is that food in order to be adapted, right? has to taste good. The textures have to be right, but most importantly, it has to be aromatic and really flavorful. And I have to say that Puerto Rican cooking, Caribbean cooking for the most part is that. It's very aromatic, very, very flavorful, and definitely stands out amongst other culinary dishes like, as well. Tell me a little bit about your favorite dishes of Puerto Rican cuisine. I'm sorry, can you repeat that again? Oh, yes. Tell me a little bit about your favorite dishes. Yes. So I have so many favorite dishes and, and we included those in the book, but definitely the pastelón is one of my all-time favorite dishes. And pastelón, we, in, in a funny way, call it Puerto Rican lasagna, right? Because what it is, the traditional way, or I should say the way that most people make it is that they substitute the pasta sheets in lasagna for thinly sliced pieces of ripe plantain. So when you cook the plantain and then that substitutes the lasagna sheets, and then you place it in a casserole in between layers of vegetables and a beautiful, and a beautiful sauce that you cook in the sofrito, it makes a delicious dish that is sweet and savory. And to be honest, that is definitely one of my favorite dishes. And we include it in the book as a plant-based alternative, because as I was saying, traditionally the dish is made with animal protein, egg and cheese, but in the plant-based version of the book, the, the recipe is entirely plant-based, but it doesn't miss out on any of the textures or any of the flavors of the traditional recipe as well. Is the plantain like ripe or not ripe? Like how do you choose it for that kind of recipe? Yes. So in, in Spanish cooking, we have different types of plantains, right? So we have the banana, which is the more standard traditional plantain that everybody recognizes. But then we have what it's called in Spanish, platanos machos. And these are the longer plantains that are thicker and 
when it's green, it's uh, unripe and it's hardier and it's not sweet at all. And that is what is used to make tostones, which is plantain fritters. But when you let that plantain ripen, it starts to turn a yellow with color with black dots. And that is the plantain that you want to use to make the pastelon because it's softer, but it's sweeter in flavor. So you slice it thinly. You can, you can, I don't want to use the word fry it because it's not really a fry. It's more of, you know, tossing it a little vegan butter from side to side and then using those plantain pieces, which are long in size, and then using that instead of the pasta sheets in your Puerto Rican lasagna. And what do you put on top? How do you make the cheesy finishing touch to it? Yes. So for the recipe that I shared in the book, I used vegan cheese. I okay. started off with a base of sofrito. Then I added mixed vegetables. Then we add some tomato sauce. We add some herbs. We add some spices. And then we drizzle a little bit of vegan cheese, let all those flavors and textures come together. And that consistency is able to bind all of the other ingredients in the dish together. Then once you let it cool and set, it's easy to slice into squares and, and serves beautifully and perfectly on any dish. That sounds delicious. I'm coming over <laughs> this weekend to share yes. that with you. And I'm very intrigued. But I, we don't need to get into that today, but I'm very intrigued about how to get the slices quite right. So we'll we'll practice. We'll practice. I'm looking I, forward I to that. I would be more than happy to show you how. It's very easy. That would be fun. Tell me a little <laughs> bit, because you do a lot of coaching work as well. I'm curious to know, because surely you must be encountering people who are interested in reconnecting with their culinary heritage, you know, recreating the flavors that they, they crave, that make them feel good, you know, the comfort food. What kind of obstacles do they encounter in the process of, of making those healthier and plant-based? You know, a lot of the community members that I work with come to me because their doctor has diagnosed them with being at risk of some type of food-related illness. In most, in most cases, it's either high levels of cholesterol or at risk of type 2 diabetes or having been diagnosed with, with type 2 diabetes. So when they come to me, the services that I offer is teaching them a more plant-based approach to the traditional foods that they love and enjoy. You know, I have shared it with my community and in the book as well, the importance of connecting, making that connection with your family through food, right? Food brings you joy. Food brings you connection. Food is delicious. And, and, and you know, especially when these are your traditional dishes, right? So when you are trying to improve your health conditions, right? Removing these foods that bring you joy is just not a sustainable way of life. So the way that I work with my community is how can we implement these changes to get them in a healthier track to meet their health goals, but at the same time without abandoning or sacrificing the flavors that they love. And we do that through the recipes that I share in the book, through substituting the mixed vegetables for the beef and using a tiny bit of vegan cheese instead of 
regular cheese or and eliminating the egg because honestly you don't need to have all those ingredients in order to make the dish it is possible to make a healthier version that's going to promote health and at the same time taste delicious and in sharing that with the community it has been wonderful because i've been able to help thousands and thousands of women really improve their relationship with food while enjoying the foods that they are accustomed to and improving their health at the same time so that is i would say one of the biggest wins since i have started this community since i've started to share with the public these recipes that you know are my family's recipes in a healthier way is there a dish, I don't want to put you on the spot, but is there a dish that <laughs> is really hard to make good with, you know, on a plant-based cooking style and have you managed to fix it? Yes, I have. And I would say that that dish is the coconut custard. It's called flan, flan de coco. And the traditional way of making the dish is using egg, using different types of milk, right? The traditional recipe calls for condensed milk, evaporated milk, and regular milk. And you're supposed to put it in the oven to bake in a water bath. And that is what is going to give it that custard-like consistency. But I have been able to master the art of making this in a plant-based way by using agar-agar, which is a substitute for that gelatinous consistency but it's not made from animal product it's made from seaweed so instead of baking the custard what we do is that we cook it in the stove top and then we let it cool at room temperature and it comes together in a really nice way the flavors are delicious and the texture is just right but i would say that was one of the most challenging yet rewarding recipes that we put together for this book definitely I'm sure you had a very willing testing crew for that one. Yes. <laughs> People ready to taste yeah. it at any moment. I can yes. imagine. I mean, it seems silly to me. Like, let's say you live on a Caribbean island. Wouldn't there be more coconuts than cows? You know, <laughs> would that yeah. not make more sense? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm glad you did it. And I will uh, certainly want to try that. I love, I love a challenge once in a while. I don't cook from recipes very often, mm -hmm. but when I do, it's often for dessert. So I will give that a try. I'd like to, speaking of the recipes and speaking of the book, let me show it again. Abuela's Plant-Based Kitchen. Who's Abuela? Abuela is my grandmother. It's my paternal grandmother. There we go. Look at this. Yes. And I'll just show it off a little bit here. There's... <laughs> The lovely recipes, but there's also some pictures, especially I found it helpful because some of the pictures sometimes were on dishes that were not familiar to me. And I was like, I wonder mm -hmm. what that looks like. And then turn the page. Ha, ah, there it is. <laughs> that Great. was very satisfying. So I appreciated that. <laughs> I'd like you to tell me a little bit how you even decided to go ahead and make a book and the journey, the journey of making it. You know, because as I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, my father's side of the family has been vegan plant-based for many, many years. My aunt, my father's wife, opened the first vegetarian restaurant in Puerto Rico in the early 90s. Unfortunately, Puerto Rico wasn't ready for that shift yet, and the restaurant was only open for a short amount of time. But the, re the restaurant did exactly what we're doing in the book. It shared 
healthier plant-based versions of traditional meat-heavy dishes. So these were recipes that had been circulating in my family for a very long time, but they originated from my grandmother and my grandmother's mom and so on. So these recipes have been very popular, not only amongst our immediate family, but also our close friends as well. And we knew that these recipes needed to be shared with the world. And during COVID, we decided to test these recipes as a family virtually and work on putting these recipes in a book. And that's how this idea was born, because we knew that when we shared these recipes with the world, not only was it going to be a delicious treat, but it was going to help so many people improve their health by eliminating animal pro any animal products and eating in a cleaner, healthy way. I love this. And, you know, sometimes I think when somebody, anyway, when I did go plant-based and my husband often talks about that as well, you know, feeling a little lonely, you know, you make that decision and I'm sure that your father in 1975 would have felt <laughs> quite isolated going plant-based, going right. back to, you know, Puerto Rico and being the oddball that was not eating the meat. And sure. I like, I like, the reminder here that it's worth keeping the long view and that thinking that all that work that, you know, your father, but the, the women in the family put into making those beautiful plant-based dishes, it's taken a little while perhaps, but it's, it's paying off today and it's spreading a lot more broadly. And I just love that. And we have to remember that the future lasts a long time mm -hmm. and change can happen. I love Absolutely. this. Do you, yeah. Do you have any specific recipes that you recommend? Not necessarily because they're your favorites, but for people who may not be super familiar with Puerto Rican cooking or that may not feel all that confident in their skills, where would you recommend someone starts? So I, I would always recommend the rice dishes in the book because they are not only rice, they have some kind of vegetable component as well. So it's not just the grain. The green rice is one of my favorite recipes from the book. It's a very aromatic and flavorful rice that gets its green color from a pesto-like mixture of spinach, parsley, cilantro, and Swiss chard. So you make a base by, you know, putting those leaves in a food processor, sauteing them with some garlic and olive oil and some spices, and then adding the rice. So after the rice is cooked and you fluff it up, it's very aromatic and very tasty. And it's very healthy because it has all of those nutrition, those nutritional components that are the ones that are going to give that rice, that green, that green color, right? And as I say to my community, you don't have to do an all or nothing. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. You can start small. Once you start getting the hang of creating these recipes that are completely plant-based, then you can slowly start to move in that direction where you don't feel like everything has to be centered around meat, right? Also, these recipes, should you need it, could complement some small amounts of animal protein if your family is still not entirely plant-based because I think it usually starts with one person implementing the change and then shortly it starts to become a ripple effect, but it doesn't happen overnight. So these recipes are really approachable. I would definitely start with 
the rice dishes and then the stews. The stews are very easy. There's a lentil stew. And I was very cautious of choosing recipes that were made with ingredients that you probably already have at home, right? Because that's how it's, that's how it becomes easy. I think that when you see recipes that have an overwhelming amount of ingredients in them or ingredients you've never heard of before, where you feel like you have to go to the supermarket and buy a five pound bag of something you will probably never use again, it becomes an intimidating recipe. You're just going to pass the page and you're not even going to attempt it. So I was very cautious and I was very structured and very strategic in how I chose these recipes. I wanted them to be quick, easy, flavorful, and not overwhelming. So all the recipes in the book are that way. But if I had to choose easy recipes and recommend you start with, I would start with the rices and the stews, definitely. What about a snack? Anything we can use or, you know, uh, easy yappy kind of thing? Yes. So there is a cookie recipe. That's one of my mom's very popular Christmas. I have to say it's her Christmas cookie recipe, but we altered it a little bit. And these are oatmeal cranberry cookies that are very, very easy to make. Those are my mom's hands. Everybody was very involved in the process of putting this book together. Um, and this is a recipe that I make with my daughter all the time. And I recommend to anybody that, you know, has small children too, like get the kids in the kitchen, get them excited about creating something that's delicious where they can feel accomplished as well. This is a really, really delicious recipe for the appetizers. I would say the corn fritters. This is a recipe that my grandmother used to make for, for me when I used to come home from school. And it's just cornmeal with a few simple ingredients. And you can choose to add a tiny bit of vegan cheese if you want in the center, but it's not necessary. And then we make a delicious dipping sauce of vegan mayo that it has lots of spices in it. And it's just really delicious. And to me, it tastes like home. It reminds me of my grandmother's kitchen. The smell of it kind of teleports me back to Puerto Rico when I was five years old and And that's what it's all about, right? Like sharing memories, remembering the times when you used to have these meals with your family members and recreating them in a healthier way. If anyone wants to travel to Puerto Rico these days, what's the, you know, healthy vegan landscape like for visitors? Well, so I have to tell you, there is an overabundance of vegan restaurants all over the island. I mean... And my dad and I joke about it all the time. I'm like, there's another vegan restaurant and there's another vegan restaurant. Whereas before they were zero on the island. People, you know, as I mentioned before, this was just not something that was acceptable at all. But now there are so many. There's vegan ice cream shops and vegan, you know, places you can go to for salads or a very culinary dinner experience where they just, you know, the chefs nowadays have just become so creative in recreating these amazing dishes. One of my favorite restaurants in Puerto Rico is a restaurant where they make Latin sushi and they use plantains and they use avocado oh, wow. and they, they dehydrate watermelon or marinate watermelon and use that in place of tuna. And it's just so innovative and clever. I think clever is the right word to use for this. It's like, wow, I wouldn't have thought that. Or they use hearts of palm instead of crab. And 
it's a very delicious and you feel satisfied, you know? And, and I think that that's a big thing. People often think that because there's no meat, they're not going to feel satisfied. And that is completely false. You know, as long as you're eating the rainbow, as long as you're getting fiber rich fruits and vegetables, you're going to feel satisfied, but you're going to feel good. You're not going to feel bloated and sluggish. You're going to feel good. And I think that that's a really, really important thing to highlight is how amazing you feel after you eat this way. And I'm glad to hear that your father is still around, which still is around. testimony to the success of, of his dietary choices from and trust me he gosh, loves to 45 talk about years it. ago <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe he should be my next guest on the podcast that would be awesome he thank you so much that, for sharing sure. that story i love it <laughs> how can people find you on the internet and continue getting inspired by the beautiful um creations you share and your great uh, lifestyle tips sure you can find me on instagram tiktok facebook at the Latina health coach. Um, my website is my name, www.carlasalinari.com. And I'm just all around the internet, just, you know, spreading the word, talking to anybody that would listen to me about the important health benefits of a plant-based lifestyle. Eating vegan plant-based does not have to be boring, should not mean that you're giving up on your favorite cultural dishes. And we're living in a time that people are open to change. They know that what they've been doing thus far hasn't been working. We, my community, I speak for my community, is the, the, the heaviest it's ever been. It's the sickest it's ever been. And what they've been doing up to now isn't working. And now they're open to change. They're open to listening. They're open to trying new things. And it brings me so much joy. And it's my passion to continue to educate the community and share these delicious recipes. So I invite everyone to join, learn a little bit more about Puerto Rican cooking and how they can apply these recipes to their families as well. I love it. Thank you so much, Carla, <laughs> for being here today. And it will be a pleasure to, I hope in the not too, too distant future, get together with you to cook. Thanks again I for being that. here. And everybody who's interested, you can check out the show notes for links to connect with Carla, thank you thank again you. for being here. And I suggest that we all keep on cooking. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.